0: just returned from Hacker Summer Camp 2022, and it was great to meet up with everybody once again in real life, and to hear the technical talks in a ballroom once again. I even got some training on the side from Google and others. Training, it's really important to me. Just because you have a tool, like VirusTotal, you might not realize its full potential without someone being there to guide you along the way, at least in the beginning. I remember when I learned Kali Linux. Kali is a Swiss army knife of useful pen testing tools, but the overwhelming number of tools, eh, it's daunting. And without a follow-up training, it's really hard to know what all is included or when certain tools might be useful. So even though you hear others tell you how great Kali is, and it is, you may only unlock a quarter of it, even if you use it every day. So you need someone to guide you through it. Which leads me to this short HackerMind episode. While I've been able to attend conferences remotely, those remote conferences haven't been able to replicate LineCon. LineCon is when you queue up for a talk or an event and someone starts talking to you. A lot of people have been coming up to me, particularly at Black Hat this year, and I do get a lot of great material just by running into people casually in the hallways. It's always interesting for me to hear how different people are approaching the same problems in InfoSec. Everyone's got a unique perspective. And, well, there are the vendors, right? And they have their pitches, their angles. But there are the people who are actually working in the socks, on the pen testing teams. And in some cases, they're taking open source, community-based tools and leveraging them in creative new ways against very common threats. Take for example MITRE's Attack Framework. And in a moment, I'm going to reintroduce you to someone I've interviewed before who's taking the attack framework to the next level. I hope you'll stick around. Welcome to the Hacker Mind, an original podcast from For All Secure. It's about challenging our expectations about the people who hack for a living. I'm Robert Vimosi, and in this short post-Hacker Summer Camp episode, I'm following up on a previous interview and seeing how the work that was done to create a tool commonly used today in the industry has led to a new business of teaching people how best to use that tool to figure out what security solutions an organization might actually need. In May 2021, for episode 20 of the Hacker Mind, I interviewed Frank Duff, who was then the director of attack evaluations at MITRE Ingenuity. Here's how he described attack:
1: Attack itself is just a project within uh, the MITRE Corporation, right? So um, it, it was originally spun up uh, as a research and development effort um, that, that was being done. Um, about 8 years ago now.
0: So, before we go on, perhaps a bit more background is needed. First, Miter and then ATAC. Miter was formed in 1958, and it's an acronym standing for MIT Research Establishment. It's a non-profit organization that manages federally funded research and development centers or FFRDC at it traditionally supports the research of several U.S. government agencies, such as the FAA, the IRS, the Department of Defense, the Department of Homeland Security, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, and NIST. Perhaps more relevant to the InfoSec community, MITRE maintains the Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures, CVE system, and the Common Weakness enumeration, CWE A few years ago, MITRE came up with ATT&CK, that's a capital A-T-T ampersand, capital C-K. It's a framework that describes the tactics and techniques commonly used by criminal hackers and state adversaries. And it's proving to be very useful when considering threat models and security solutions. Here's how Frank described the founding of Attack as a couple of blue teamers sitting around a table discussing how best they could present their findings to the people who actually make the decisions.
1: But a long time ago in a, in a prior life, right, like I was sitting there as a blue teamer, we had red teams that were coming at us every other month to assess our, our advances as, as the defenders. Um, and we needed a common lexicon um, to be able to uh, describe what the red team was doing to a way that people like me as the blue team could understand.
0: So attack started as a workshop exercise to document common tactics, techniques, and procedures, TTPS.
1: I was not the the guy that came up with the idea from attack from any points. I was, I was on the defender side, um, right? Like I came down and, and at the time um, uh, we were looking at how to improve the visibility within our networks. Right. So um Everybody was focused on antivirus at the time and keeping the bad guys out. Um, and, and I think the median dwell time, which is like the, the time it took for an adversary to be detected, was somewhere around 210 days, if I recall, on average. Right? That, that's, that's a substantial part of a year. Um, and so think about what a bad guy could do in your network for half a year plus. Right. That that's that's not a good feeling. And so we start up the research project to try to say, okay, well, what could we do to do to, to defend against the adversary once they're in? And so we started building out our own sensors because this was before the the time of EDR. It was before the time of Sysmon or anything like that. We were like, All right, let's build out our own sensor that can capture process information and and command line arguments and and let's figure out how we can advance defenses and and so I was on that team creating a bunch of those analytics using sensors we had homebrewed, and um, and then the rest is history. We've we've continued to evolve attack and evolve our work program. And I went from a defender to a guy that manages a bunch of red teamers to to do the evaluations. Um, so it's 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 a fun time.
0: Advanced persistent threats are not just as they seem. They're the long game operations where something as small as a phishing email could escalate into millions of IDs being
1: exfiltrated. Out emerged this Excel spreadsheet um, of different behaviors that the Red Team was performing, uh, which would allow us to focus rather on hashes or specific malware, it allows us to focus on the higher level behaviors to improve our defenses. And what we found was as we were trying to report up our value of doing these red team blue exercises, which we loved because they were super fun, But we had to sell them to management of why they're doing these every other month. We found that attack actually, it's a much more in-depth thing where where you're trying to exercise your full scope of defenses, right? Because again, right, when when attack was created, we went with this this presumed breach model, which is you can put up all the walls you want, but sooner or later, an adversary is going to get in. And then what? How do you get them out faster? How do you defend them? How do you detect them? Um, and so, so that's where really red teaming um, and, and variations of it, which include adversary emulation, come into play. Toward
0: the end of his time at MITRE, Frank began conducting evaluations of security products against attack for MITRE Ingenuity taking what the vendor said it could do against what attack said you needed to do to mitigate certain threats. If you want to learn more about attack ingenuity and the evaluation process, I suggest you go back and listen to episode 20 of The Hacker Mind. Flash forward, though, to Hacker Summer Camp 2022. And Frank is now the chief innovation officer and co-founder of Tidal Security. Standing in the hallway at Mandalay Bay, Frank told me that the value in what his company does for organizations running attack is
1: so allow them to define the threats that matter to them, allow them to define the defensive solutions that they have, and from that understand how they're well they are protected and give them recommendations on how to improve.
0: And this new venture grew squarely out of the need for organizations to use attack, but not to take on more tools, and in some cases, maybe even remove the tools that are no longer deemed necessary.
1: Yeah, yeah, one of the challenges that uh, I had at MITRE as well as the other founders is that we recognize that there's this challenge that organizations are having in adopting ATT&CK. ATT&CK has grown uh, substantially since it was initially released to describe the variety of adversary behaviors. But what that means is now it's becoming a much larger problem for people to deal with. So what we wanted to do is go off and develop a company that would give organizations the tools that they need to really make it their own.
0: So MITRE's ATT&CK is based on indicators of compromise gathered over years of research. It's valuable for industries. Say, for example, you're in oil and gas. You can look at ATT&CK and see what attacks you're most likely susceptible to and then drill down into the different tactics. Armed with the specific knowledge that others in your industry have been victim to these tactics before, you can then fortify your own networks against these specific tactics and techniques what Frank's new business does then is help organizations look at attack model for their industry and then look at the tools they have or might still need
1: So similar with that vein right attack is the gold standard right and so we want to be able to just make it give it more context if you will um, So we have a community platform we just launched um, on on the Wednesday of Black Hat. Um, that is centered around providing the information that attack would provide, but then adding in unique data sets. One of those data sets is a product registry that we have, where vendors are working with us to define their capabilities as they relate to attack. And then we publish that information free for anybody to access, similar into the vein of, of attack. Um, what attack has done to build a community is absolutely amazing. We just want to be able to add to it in our own way. By giving people not just information about the threat, but what to do about the threat.
0: In episode 49 of the Hacker Mine, I talked about living off the land. This is an attack strategy that uses existing applications on a victim's machine, as opposed to downloading a new zero-day or something cool like that. Living off the land, LOL, or fileless malware, is a threat actor leveraging the utilities readily available on any given system. These could be in the operating system, or it could be in third-party tools that's been added. It's a sneaky way to exploit a system without any of the existing preventative tools.
1: So living off the land um, is, is how a lot of these sophisticated adversaries move around once they're in, right? The, the whole theory behind persistent threats, right, they're called persistent for a reason, right? They will get in, they will find some new vulnerability to get into the system, So there's only so much that you can do with vulnerabilities. And it's important, but it's only part of the problem. But once they get in, how do they operate? And a lot of them just use the same tools that your system administrators would use to move around the environment. And so then it becomes, okay, well, how can I defend against those? And it's challenging, right? Because those are the same behaviors that real users, real administrators are using. So oftentimes it becomes noisy things um, and they're just using it in a more nefarious way. Um, And so that's really where, where... it becomes tricky to defend in, 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 in that regard.
0: What Frank's company is doing is not too far from the evaluations he performed back at MITRE Ingenuity, where he compared the claims of different security vendors to the results that he was able to test. It was designed as a report card so organizations can assess whether or not security tools are doing what they're supposed to do.
1: This is about um, security stack optimization, I guess, is one way you could look at it. Right. So being able to know that you have the tools, that they're configured in a way that will actually be able to defend you against the threats whenever they come up. Um, So being able to know that you have this EDR, this NDR, and that they're configured in a proper way so that they're going to tackle the threats that matter most to you.
0: So title in a sense, is performing a vendor evaluation of the tools that you already have mapped to the tools that you actually need for the threats that your industry, your organization faces.
1: Right. It it stops short. I'd I'd hesitate to call it evaluation just from the standpoint that we are taking vendors' words for this registry, right? Vendors are giving us their data. We do structure it. We do require additional information about it that hopefully gives it better context and and believability, understandability, all those good things. Um, but at the end of the day, we're trusting the vendors to to give us the information that, that will actually enable end users. Uh, we're just trying to bring a layer of transparency to it and structure around it that will re- really drive it forward.
0: Where is Frank seeing the most uptick in this new product?
1: So it's been great to see that uh, we've we've had a lot of interest from the vendors themselves in contributing right and, and that that's a, a very important thing for our strategy um, we wanted we had hoped that vendors would give us their data and would want to drive forward on this transparency because we do want to have this community platform at the core that we can build on right we all come from uh, all three founders come from mitre um, and we all have that public interest kind of mission still right and so we we really hoped that that would be a case and to see the vendors that have, Either given us data or have committed to using or to providing the data in the coming weeks, um, it's it's a really solid list of, of vendors that are jumping into that, and that will empower the end user community, right? The, the ones that have to do their attack research day to day, but don't want to just have to look here in attack and here at this GitHub repository and here at this other GitHub repository and here at this other online resource, right? If we can consolidate all that information. So that now it's all just searching within one platform, right? That's something that's much more powerful to them and will make them um, um, hopefully optimize their workflows.
0: To measure their security responsiveness, organizations use different teams. There's the red team, which is constantly looking for the latest attacks to use against their company to test their responsiveness. And then there's the blue team, which is there to fend off the attacks from the red teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it's got a lot of different use cases around it, right? As I said, the the, the chief use case for enterprise customers would be able to define their threats, to, to be, fe- be able to define their defenses. Part of that's their customization, right? So we, we talked with a lot of organizations that have custom attack techniques, things that their red team does, or things that their defenders have developed in terms of analytics. Right. And so what we want to be able to do is allow them to encapsulate that information in addition to all the information that attack has. So there's absolutely room for being able to define new techniques, being able to say what you've tested, what the results were, being able to um, define the analytic you wrote and what special circumstances it works or it doesn't work. All those things are things that are going to be coming to the platform.
0: And then there are organizations that employ the occasional pen testers who swoop in for two-week engagements, testing within a narrow scope defined by the organization that's hiring them. Often this is done for compliance and regulatory needs.
1: So so pen testing is an interesting um, corollary, right? Because at the end of the day, they're going to be more focused on vulnerabilities and getting into systems. Um, That is definitely part of attack, though, right? When you consider that there is the places, initial access and before, right? Being able to figure out how to get in. Um, we do even have a vendor that specializes in doing more of the pen testing or getting into the enterprise um, in terms of like attack surface. And and so it definitely plays a role. Um, but with all things attack, attack is much more focused on the post-exploit behaviors, which tend to go more towards red teaming and blue teaming and that like.
0: Organizations, of course, have security operation centers or SOCs. Is this right for a SOC?
1: Absolutely. So so what, what, what I look back on, um, it, it definitely tailors to threat hunting um, and the more preparedness aspects of the SOC. Um, so developing the rules. So the next time something happens, you have it. Uh, but a lot of the organizations that we're dealing with from our, our early customers are the ones that are in the SOC themselves, right? The ones that have to take the threat until it's coming through, being able to translate that to be like, all right, so what else am I supposed to be looking for? And being able to easily pivot on that data to understand how techniques are interrelated and what you have in your stack that can helpfully defend against that, right? I mean, that, that's going to be a powerful thing.
0: So organizations already have a lot of reports coming in. In fact, I spoke with someone on the flight back from Hacker Summer Camp this year who said he gets all the reports he needs for compliance, but he needed someone junior to come in and analyze each report to tell him what's important. So I'm curious, what does the output look like here? Is it just another
1: report? Right. So, so one of the things that one of the use cases that I like to talk about is um, is specifically one one that I did back uh, in my my middle years of my MITRE career, which was right around detection engineering, right? And so I would get tasked by my SOC manager to write a new analytic based on some adversary behavior we had seen, right? That would have required me to go look at ATT&CK, go look at Sigma at their GitHub list, and go figure out how to write that in Splunk, talk to some engineers about what tools I have, figure out what data sources I can do, right? Now we've got to the ability where you can go and all that research within, right? Being able to look in one platform, one space to be able to pull the thread on all that information, The what tools are providing, what data source, what analytics use that data source so that you can tackle that, that behavior that you care about. So the end result should be that now analyst out there, that detection engineer gets to write that rule at a much quicker speed, be able to leverage the work that's already being done by the community and just being able to adopt it for their own, own space. So they go write that rule. They now have that capability that then in future iterations would be able to actually register as a capability in our platform. Um, and so that, that they know that that's something and that's that they built it for this reason because it maps to this attack technique, that it uses this data, that it uses this product. And then you know what, if they leave the company, okay, well it lives with them with that company, right? And so I think that that's gonna be a really powerful thing.
0: So it's not really a dashboard either.
1: So, so right now it's, it's a combination of, oh, so, so right now the community edition is based around this um, knowledge-based exploration component, right? So being able to um, uh, just pull the thread on all these different aspects, right? Um, but as we get forward, right, I mean, dashboards are inevitabilities of, of the community, uh, but we make all our data available, the API, so you could pull it into your product if you want to use some other API but or some other product as your dashboard. Um, so we'll be flexible as we need to be.
0: So for this new venture to be effective, they need input. They need input from vendors and they need input from users to build up a common database that in turn will be useful to the larger InfoSec community.
1: So, so the need for it right now, I think that... Um, we, we hear a significant need for being able to, again, encapsulate what you do and what threats you need to care about. Um, and so I think that there is a significant need right now, and it's just a matter of uh, developing, 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 and getting all these features out um, so that we can provide that to the community. We announced here at Black Hat that we had gone live with our community edition. Um, and um, so, so you can go in, you can check out the tool, you can see how the data pulls together, Um, and, and hopefully everybody gets some value out of that. And as we bring along more and more features, um, that will help actually empower you to, to define what your organization looks like.
0: There's a definite need for this with all the crazy new attacks and attacks on different industries. It's important that an organization within those industries have the right tools to proactively guard against future compromises.
1: As I just referenced, the, at the core is this community platform. Right? And this community platform really is trying to help analysts do their day-to-day. The red teamer, the blue teamer, the CTI analyst. Um, so would encourage anybody, if there's data sets out there that you want to see us pull in, if there's features that you want to pull in, right? Those are things we're looking for to really make it so that this can make threat-informed defense actionable, right? It, it's it make attack actionable. We, we've we've got to be able to... Um, make the jobs a lot easier, right? We we keep hearing about how hard it is to hire people and how hard it is to train people. And part of that is because it requires so much um, custom knowledge uh, or or gain knowledge through the years. Right. If if you're if you've been in the industry for five years, around attack for all that time, worked at a couple like high performing companies, right? You, you kind of get all the, the, the intricacies of it. And we you know all the places to look for it. For the vast, vast majority of users out there, they don't, right? They know that they want to like attack, but how to use it is a really big problem. So if you think that there's things that could help the community, make sure you let us know. Um, try out the platform um, and give us any feedback you have so we can make it better.
0: I'd like to thank Frank Duff for the LineCon conversation at Black Hat 2022. His experience at MITRE and with his new work at Tidal will be valuable to the InfoSec community in the years to come, as we move beyond just saying someone got breached into someone had this specific type of attack, and here are the tactics that were used. Hey, if you enjoy this podcast, tell a friend. I bet there are others who like commercial-free narrative information security podcasts. I have so many stories about hackers who are making a positive difference in the world. I don't want you to miss out. Let's keep this conversation going. DM me at Robert Vimosi on Twitter, or join me on Discord. You can find the deets at HackerMind.com. The Hacker Mind is brought to you every two weeks, commercial-free, by For All Secure. For The Hacker Mind, I remain Robert Vimosi.